Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons Podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Happy Thursday, all, or I guess whatever day you're listening to this podcast. Regardless, I want to thank you for listening. Welcome to another installment of Thursdays. This is the uh, labor podcast of the Ogletree Deacons Traditional Labor Practice Group, and my name's Tom Davis, a lawyer in the Ogletree Nashville, Tennessee office and a co-chair of the firm's Traditional Labor Practice Group. Uh, If you listened to last month's podcast, we talked about kind of the goals to bring you interesting and cutting edge developments in the labor area and with the labor movement, whether we're talking about changes to the law or to organizing or collective bargaining, or frankly, just changes and observations about issues and challenges and changes in the workplace and with employees. Those are the the things we want to bring to you. And, And our topic today is certainly cutting edge. Uh, we're talking about technology, and, and more specifically, th- these are the terms that I don't know much about, but, uh, but we're going to be talking about electronic monitoring, automated management, and then AI, artificial intelligence, those concepts in the workplace. And certainly, it doesn't get much more cutting edge than that. In fact, I think this is kind of the bleeding edge because we're just starting to make the cut and to discuss these concepts in the workplace, and in particular, how the National Labor Relations Act may impact those issues. And frankly, since I know virtually nothing about that subject, you get a guest speaker, which makes everybody happy. And let me tell you, you're in for a treat. Uh, Joining me today is our own Jen Betts, uh, managing shareholder of the Pittsburgh Ogletree office, an incredible labor lawyer, but just an incredible lawyer, one of the smartest people I know. And for purposes of the topic we're talking about today, and in fact, Jen co-chairs our own technology uh, practice group here at Ogletree. Jen, welcome. How you doing? Nice, quiet 2023. Thank you, Tom. That was quite the introduction. <laughs> I am thrilled to be with you and um, definitely a crazy start to 2023. It's hung going on in the technology space, as well as the labor space. So I think a perfect time for this podcast, for sure. I do want to thank you for taking time to be with us. And and for me, let's just start with the basics, uh, because I, you know, I look into this topic and so many of these things, I don't really understand what it is. I don't really understand how employers are using it. So all these terms, AI, electronic monitoring, automated management, what does this involve and, and how are employers using these tools in the workplace? You bet. You're definitely not alone. This is new terminology to a lot of us. And some of this is really just like buzzwords that we kind of hear circulating around there without really drilling into what it means. So I'm going to take each of these concepts separately and give my own definitions for what they mean. First up, artificial intelligence When we're talking about AI, what we should be thinking about is an artificial computer-generated analysis that replaces typical human intelligence. And there are a bunch of different areas where there's application of AI, visual language recognition, analytical thought, decision-making, artistic output. Have you heard kind of the latest craze in AI is chat GPT? It's like a hot, very visible of, of how you can use AI right now. It's available on the web if you haven't taken played with it, take a minute and do it. And I think 
your mind will be blown and you can see how it really works. Will it write a Valentine's for me, Jen? It it actually will. Absolutely. It'll write poetry for you. It's amazing. It'll write policies, which is something as lawyers we should all be interested in and watching. Next up is electronic monitoring. This one is easier, I think, to understand. It is what it sounds like. We're talking about employers using tech to review and keep tabs on employees in a variety of different ways, you know, like where they are, what they're saying, what they're doing. There's a bunch of different types of electronic monitoring tech, things like wearables that'll track movement of people, of vehicles, key logging software that tracks all employee mouse or keystrokes, movements on a laptop and on and on and on. And then the last, and this is kind of like the hottest phrase right now, is automated management. And the idea here is that employers are using technology to manage employee performance and either make solely through the use of technology or assist in decision-making about employees. So who to hire, who to fire, who to promote. That kind of tech generally uses artificial intelligence, but not necessarily. So those are the key concepts that the new general counsel memo that just came out that we're going to talk about in this uh, podcast those are the key concepts that the NLRB is really kind of stepping into right now. And you mentioned the general counsel uh, of the NLRB's memo, but my question I have is, are other federal regulatory agencies that are interested in the workplace, are they interested in this technology topic as well? Yeah. So when you asked me kind of how things are going in 2023, I mentioned there's a lot happening in the AI space. And Artificial intelligence in particular is now becoming the source of a lot of regulatory guidance. I'll just highlight very briefly, since this is a labor podcast, a few things that are happening right now. First, in May of 2022, the EEOC issued the first federal agency guidance about employer use of artificial intelligence and other advanced technologies in the workplace, focused exclusively on Americans with Disabilities Act guidance. But the EEOC actually just issued a draft strategic enforcement priority document, setting forth their priorities as an agency for the next few years. And to the shock of nobody who watches this space, they're going to issue additional guidance about employer use of technology outside of the ADA concept. You asked about federal, but I also want to flag that states and local cities like New York City are also in this game, issuing rules, Maryland, Illinois. California has draft regulations. That probably isn't a shock. It's all brand new over the last couple of years. Why is there this focus? Well, the technology is getting cheaper. It's getting better and more employers are using it. And I've read research that suggests that as many as 70% or more of Fortune 500 companies are using some form of AI as part of their employee talent recruiting and management process. These tools can really increase efficiencies, ensure security, increase productivity, and in some instances, make the workplace fairer by having bias-free decisions. But there's a concern motivating this agency guidance that these tools are, A, creating a surveillance state, which is something that the NLRB, and we'll talk about this, I think, is focused on, but B, could potentially lead to adverse outcomes, lead to bias, discrimination, and do it on a massive scale. So if a tool is built incorrectly, there's this concern that what's happening is you're basically automating discrimination. That's the fear, at least. I don't necessarily agree with it. That's the fear. 
I guess I get that for the EEOC and questions about hiring decisions. And I, I guess you could get a little bit of that in the NLRA world. But in your mind, does the National Labor Relations Act that we've been dealing with since 1935, does it have any applicability to these te- technological tools that employers are using? Um, I guess my my question to answer your question is, are you asking me or are you asking the general counsel of the NLRB? And I'm only kind of like half kidding. Um, from my perspective, you know, obviously, if you're using monitoring technology to deliberately gather information about somebody's PCA, protected concerted activity, you know, of course, that could be an 8A1 surveillance issue. Or if you're firing an employee because they're protesting an employer's kind of omnipresent surveillance, yeah, that could be a violation of the NLRA. But the idea of simply using these tools to meet legitimate business purposes, I have a hard time personally seeing the link with the National Labor Relations Act. General counsel of the labor boards kind of jumped into the middle of that pool. So you mentioned the GC memo 2302. Tell tell us about that. What what are are the implications there uh, under NLRB concepts? Okay. Yeah. So on Halloween of 2022, the general counsel issued this new memorandum about these concepts and about purview of the legal issues. So I'm going to give a really high level and then you can we can drill in with any kind of follow-up questions that you want to ask me. But in the memo, she's two big buckets of tech issues. So the first is employee monitoring. And then the second is the use of artificial intelligence slash automated management. I'll talk about monitoring first. The general counsel's office has concerns which, with what the GC is characterizing as our modern surveillance state. In the memo, she flags a variety of activity that the general counsel believes is a breach of the act when employers are using technology to monitor employees. So again, the GC memo is saying right now, these are violations of the National Labor Relations Act. Things like instituting new monitoring tech after Section 7 activity like an organizing campaign has started. Things like using technology that you already have in place to discover Section 7 activity, including by reviewing security camera footage or social media accounts of employees. She also flags disciplining employees for protesting concertedly workplace surveillance, attempting to block or content moderate employee conversations of those who are disconsented to prevent Section 7 activity. And according to the general counsel memo, it doesn't matter if the activity is covert or open. From an AI or automated management perspective, the general counsel memo flags a couple of additional things as existing alleged violations of the act. So things like using AI to screen applicants or issue discipline if the algorithm is making decisions based on PCA, applying productivity standards discriminatorily against union supporters, or failing to bargain over the implementation of new technology. She's saying in this memo, the general counsel is saying that the role of the board is to ensure that, and this is a quote, intrusive or abusive methods of electronic surveillance and automated management do not unlawfully interfere with, restrain, or coerce employees in the exercise of their Section 7 rights by stopping union and protected concerted activity in its tracks or preventing its initiation. And That really caught my attention when I read the memo. And if you just kind of like marinate on that quote, I think you'll be a little bit troubled by how vague it is. This idea that 
the general counsel, the NLRB can prove that technology is somehow stopping PCA in its tracks or preventing its initiation? What does that mean? How do you show it? If it never started, how do you prove what caused something that never existed, right? Like, can a union talk to one employee at a time, get no interest, then file a ULP and say it's not because the employees aren't interested, it's because of technology? I think there's a lot of interesting questions that may play itself out as we see how this memo is interpreted and implemented. So I guess that's a question I had. Is some of those concepts sound very familiar to me. I mean, you you know, taking the camera and looking at surveillance tapes to see who which employees were handing out mm-hmm. a flyer. I mean, that's been around forever. But some of that also seems to be an intent to go beyond those historic concepts. Is is that kind of your sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll probably talk about this, but what she's trying to do, what the general counsel's office is trying to do is identify like here are things that we think are problems right now. Here's the standards that we recommend that the regions apply to these existing problems. And then she's also announcing a new standard and trying to take the law as it stands today and move it to account for this new technology that certainly wasn't in existence in the 1930s and the 1940s when the National Labor Relations Act was passed. One of the things that I think comes up in most organizing efforts, because so much of it's happening in the virtual world, is the general counsel's intent to focus on technology used to monitor union activity or PCA. Kind of Tell us what that's about. Yeah. So like I mentioned, the general counsel is saying it's unlawful to institute new technology or to use existing technology to monitor PCA. And one of the examples that she cites is reviewing, like I said, security tape or employee social media. So obviously the whole memo caught our attention, but that part did in particular Everybody listening to this podcast is, um, I would assume, a labor nerd like me in Utah. So they know that employee observation of public union activity is not supposed to be unlawful unless an employer, a supervisor, acts in a way that's out of the ordinary to observe the activity. The issue is going to be observing public activity on social media. Is that going out of the way? For the GC, the answer seems to be yes in most cases. There's really only one case on point, and I think there are some good questions about where the lines are going to be drawn in that space. So, for example, just like hypothesizing, what if I'm a friend with somebody who's an employee and they're on Facebook, we're friends on Facebook, I see a post when I'm just generally looking at my friend's page, is that a violation? What if I'm a company and as part of my you know, public relations hygiene practices, I am monitoring our social media feed? and I just happen to see PCA, is that a violation? From my perspective, I think it's clear that directed purposeful searching of socials of employees is likely going to be considered by the general counsel's office a violation of the act. Things you happen upon may be less clear, but definitely an area that I think it's prudent to be mindful of what's in this memo and what our practices as a business look like. Yeah, Jen, I mean, you, you mentioned there's only really one NLRB case on point, which is shocking to me that yeah. so much of this is happening in that space. And I know one of the issues that was raised in that case was if an employee doesn't know you're looking at their social media, is that, you know, can, can that be coercive to them? Uh, obviously, I think we know uh, where the current board would come down, but mm-hmm. the courts of appeal might uh, take a, a different perspective. Totally uh, but something, certainly something I think our, our clients need to watch out for. So look, as a general proposition in the employment world, it's about motive. If you have an unlawful motive, the decision's probably unlawful. If you have a lawful motive, 
the following decision is, is oftentimes defensible. The general counsel doesn't want to look at employers' motivation for how these tools are being used, does she? Um, I would say no, based on the general counsel memorandum that was issued. The other important thing to understand about the memo is, and maybe because of some of the vagueness that I was talking about earlier, is that she is going to urge the board in an appropriate case to adopt a whole new standard in this space. And so that's definitely something we want to put you guys all on notice of to watch out for. In her proposed framework, she wants the board to find that an employer has presumptively violated the act when the employer has surveillance or automated management practices that, when viewed as a whole, so when you're looking at all of the practices, would tend to interfere with or prevent a reasonable employee from engaging in activity protected by the act. If an employer can establish that the practices are narrowly tailored to address a legitimate business reason and cannot be met through means that are less damaging to employees' rights, she's still going to urge the board to balance the respective interests of the employer and the employees to determine whether the act permits the practices. Even in the circumstances where an employer's interests outweigh the employee Section 7 rights, her proposed standard says that unless the employer can establish that there are special circumstances that warrant covert, secretive use of the technology, an employer is going to have to disclose to the employees the technology that's being used, the reasons for the technology use, and how the technology is using the information that is being obtained. So I'm going to say out loud what you're probably thinking. This is a very difficult standard, and it would be for a lot of employers. The whole idea of viewing monitoring programs as a whole, analyzing whether they might interfere, it's just really amorphous. It's potentially easy to manipulate and can make it challenging for an employer to have any kind of monitoring program pass muster. You know, there's a lot of things that could be arguably you know, infringing on or creating an environment where an employee wouldn't feel free to engage in PCA, even like an internal Yammer feed that members of the management team have access to could be considered coercive under this standard. And the idea that employers, even if they meet kind of like the first hurdle, they have to announce the tech, what it is, why they're using it and how it's being used would be really burdensome. And if it may require constant remodification of the notice because if you know anything about technology, it changes constantly. I'll just say, like, the whole structure does not strike me as particularly realistic or practical and consistent with how companies are running their monitoring or automated management programs. And it may, like I said, make it really difficult for employers to do the electronic monitoring. That all said, I do want to note that the concept of notice is the direction that the tech laws are going. A big part of the EEOC's guidance about technology was basically saying to employers, you need to put people on notice of what's being used and how the technology is being used. Same with the state and the local laws. That's the trend line that we're seeing everywhere. And the GC really is following the trend lines. But the type of notice and the details that she's asking for is pretty burdensome, even in comparison with the other notice regimes. Yeah, you and I were, were talking before we hit record. It seems like a couple of things that are part of the of the board's agenda is one, to do things that deter employers from doing things that have business reasons because it's so complicated to know whether you can do it lawfully. And then the other thing strikes me is employees, if you've got to give them notice about these technologies, they often don't like that. And that yeah. becomes a, a source of dissatisfaction and maybe an organizing issue. So 
Jen, what, what's an employer to do now? Seriously, what's your advice in light of this new focus and where we are with this memo? Great question. As with any new guidance from the general counsel's office, I think first and foremost, it's prudent to carefully review the guidance, understand what's being targeted and where the law looks like it's moving. Once you've gotten that far, take stock of your internal practices. What monitoring are we doing? Why are we doing it? I find that sometimes internal HR and legal may not be consulted or involved in some of these programs. Make sure you know what your organization is using from a technology perspective. Once you have that figured out, have we provided notice to employees? Do we have guardrails set up to ensure that our monitoring or automated management programs aren't running afoul of the NLRA? And if we don't have guardrails in place, what can or should we put in place? Have we done training to managers about surveillance? Have we explained how surveillance works relating to social media? what the Section 7 rights of our employee populations look like? If not, should we build this into our training program? If we don't have a notice program, since that's the direction the law is taking, do we want to consider doing that proactively, regardless of the fact that that standard has not been adopted? I would keep an eye out for additional developments in this arena, whether you're talking about traditional labor or basic employment, the guidance, the rules, the laws, they're coming in fast and furious in this space, and it is becoming a multi-jurisdictional compliance headache for a lot of companies. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, it, what it's taught me is I need to educate myself about these tools because I think you know a lot about it, but I think there are probably a lot of my contemporary don't. And I think it's something you know HR and legal professionals have to do because I, I do think it's one, it's the it's the future, and we're gonna ha- we're gonna see a lot of developments um, as they occur. We're gonna have to understand them and and react to them. So certainly we will be providing, I suspect Jen will be back in the fall, maybe not that <laughs> long, but we'll be doing another installment. And I think if anybody has questions for, for Jen, she's obviously uh, the expert on this. You can contact her. I think in the show post, there's uh, contact information for Jen, but obviously you can get her through the Ogletree Deacons website. Jen, I want to thank you. Very informative, very helpful. I appreciate so much you taking time to be with us. My pleasure, Tom. Cool. And thanks to those who are listening. Hope you found this uh, valuable, helpful. I think we'll, again, be talking about this in the future, and certainly we'll be talking about other developments uh, next month when we get together in March for uh, Third Thursdays. Hope you have a great rest of February. And, and again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.